This is Corinne. And this is Ayani. And welcome to La Petite SLL, a sex, love, literature minisode. Sort of. It's kind of long. We know it's been a while since there's been new SLL content, so consider this a check-in episode more than a minisode. We let you know why we've fallen off the edge of the map, sorry about that, mm. and talk about what media has been sparking joy for us in the last couple of months. If you'd like to know when our next episode goes live and get access to behind-the-scenes content, find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at SexLoveLit. Plus, you can let us know what's been sparking joy for you. And with that, let's get on with the show. Well, hello there, SLO <laughs> listeners. <laughs> it has been a minute. It has been a minute. Yeah, we're sorry yeah. about that. <laughs> <laughs> we we offer our most humblest of all apologies. A lot has been going on. So uh, welcome to this, I guess it's a La Petite episode of SLL, in which we kind of want to fill you guys in on just life yeah. and things, um, how we've been doing, why we've been absent. Mm -hmm. But then we also figured we would just spend some time to, you know, talk about what's been sparking joy for us these last couple of weeks. Has it been a month? I don't know. Time is still a construct and is still a lie. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we figured we'd check in, say hi, tell y'all that we've missed you, that we're thinking about you, and also let you know some of the things that we do have planned coming up for this next year of SLO. I still can't believe that it's been a year that we started doing this podcast. It's still very, I don't know, exciting to me. Yeah, I think it's like a year almost exactly since we actually like published our first episodes oh. because even though we we recorded a few but we wanted to have like just a we wanted to have some sort of backlog to post yeah. at once yeah and that's i mean that's something we'll i guess have to work on as we continue podcasting is having like <laughs> a backlog of stuff so if the world explodes again <laughs> we actually have content to produce uh but yeah in that vein a lot has happened since we have last talked to y'all. I guess starting off, I moved to Texas. <laughs> <laughs> so that has kind of been occupying a lot of my life. Uh, Andrew got a, I guess it's technically a new job. The job that he was working for moved. So that means we also moved. Uh, and moving takes up a lot of mental space and time and energy. Mm -hmm. Speaking of moving, yeah. I was not planning to move, uh, and I am still in Florida, but my apartment flooded, so I also oh boy. <laughs> am moving right now. <laughs> it's, it's actually kind of wild because Corinne is currently at my old house <laughs> yeah. recording because... I think we have the lease for one more month because also in other news, we're uh, taking in a street cat. <laughs> <laughs> so she's been helping us with kind of the quote unquote rehoming process by helping him turn from a street boy to an inside boy. Yeah, it's really not that hard. All he would like to do is sleep inside instead of on the porch but also he likes to yell and also go outside sometimes so i don't know that's not gonna be my problem <laughs> no no that's that's our problem it's a process uh and it kind of makes me feel better that we extended the lease out for an extra month 
because <laughs> Corinne's apartment flooded and now she actually yeah. has a place to stay. So it makes uh makes that a little better. It makes me feel a little less off the wall for uh, <laughs> extending our lease a month to get a cat. <laughs> yeah. No judgment, though. This is a judgment-free zone when it comes to cats, right? <laughs> we judge about other things, just not cats. <laughs> no, never about cats. Uh, and, and with all that, the semester also started. <laughs> so Corinne is back teaching in person. I am. It is a thing that is happening at the University of Florida. Do you want to tell them about the class you're teaching, though? Ah, so teaching in person is deeply stressful, but also I do like teaching, and I'm really enjoying the class that I'm teaching. So I'm teaching a special topics class on sex in children's and young adult literature. So we talk about sex in children's (laughs) and young adult literature. (laughs) But it's, it's a good place for me to be able to sort of think through the wider concerns surrounding sex uh, Mm. and particularly Mm -hmm. to like remind myself of what people who were not like deep in the weeds of (laughs) sex research (laughs) think when they (laughs) encounter sex in a book and my students are great they're having great conversations they're super into it it was a little bit weird like we started off by reading judy bloom's forever which Mm. is Mm -hmm. truly a book that is just about sex uh, <laughs> so we kind of had to rip the band-aid off into like talking about mm, things that mm-hmm. are like you know pretty explicit and often very personal even if you're not talking about your personal experience uh, yep. so i guess this book this podcast was actually good practice for that yeah yeah i mean what you were saying we kind of talked about in our why sex episode right mm-hmm. so you're now putting a lot of what we talked about then into practice which is, I think, super interesting <laughs> and a little not self-aggrandizing, but like you are doing a podcast assignment. I and am. <laughs> we're gonna talk to them about podcasting. So it's like, ooh, ooh. <laughs> Get, getting very meta. <laughs> what what is the study of English literature if not getting very meta, right? <laughs> and Ayani will almost certainly be guest lecturing in my course. Oh, of course. So. Of course, of course. I have to get my teaching fix by coming to other people's classes and being yeah, like, hi, hello. She's also cheating because it means she doesn't have to grade, but. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was obvious. <laughs> that was the point. Yeah. So needless to say, our lives have been a lot right now with moving and flooding and cats and students. And it's still a whole ass pandemic, but like that's neither – here nor there. No, it's everywhere, honestly. It is, it is <laughs> both here and there. It is all over the place. There's this line that I've been using from The Good Place to describe my life right now. And uh, it, like, there's a moment when something insane happens, and Eleanor, who's the main character played by Eleanor Shellstrop. Wait, uh, Eleanor is played by Eleanor nope. Shellstrop? <laughs> Eleanor Shellstrop, played by Kristen Bell. <laughs> Like I said, there's a lot going on. Whatever. (laughs) But she says, okay, well, like, that's insane. But it's also the 11th most insane thing to happen today. So who cares? Yeah. Yeah. And that is where I am. (laughs) No, I get it. I get it. Oh, yeah. Oh, and actually, something I just thought of with your sex class. I've been diving into writing my second diss chapter 
which is about pornography. So that's been interesting. <laughs> I get to read a lot of fun articles. My favorite one that I've read so far is literally called How to Fuck a Kraken. Like that's the, oh my. the front part. Yeah, it's scandalous. It was very interesting. It was very <laughs> scandalous, right? So not reading I can do in public, trying to figure out. I mean, I'm not going in public a lot, a lot, but you know, can't can't really be reading porn materials in the library if you want to keep going to that library. So yeah. yeah, although actually I heard that's why, like at the Alachua Public Library, they have the computers like down and like horizontal mm. with, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with like with like I don't know screen protectors over them, so children walking by do not see what is pulled up on this computer screen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've I've heard that story too that there were some incidents of people being like, oh, I can't watch pornography in the public library. It's like, no, no, you can't. That's not okay. <laughs> and for me, it's like actual physical books. So I gotta just be like, here I am reading this porn in the library. Can't do it. So, but yeah, so that's life. Uh, and since life has been a lot, that's part of the reason we thought it would be fun, lighthearted, warming to lighthearted warming i don't know i don't know i was trying to think of adjectives (laughs) we thought it would be nice to check in and talk about what during this absolutely fucked up time has been sparking joy for us in the media we've been consuming (laughs) she said it she said it better (laughs) but yeah grim what's sparking joy you start us off so i'm going to start with Casey Musgraves' album "Starcrossed" that it's good. as as we j- record this literally just dropped. It is a banger. I love all of it. it uh, yeah, <laughs> but the thing that's super spicy about it. Um, so her last album, I believe, which was called "Golden Hour," maybe I'm not sure. Don't quote me. Was very like I can check. It was very like newly wedded bliss. Love is great. Ain't things grand. But since then. Casey Mm-mm. Musgraves got divorced. <laughs> so this is her breakup album, and it is fucking awesome. Yeah. So <laughs> it is called Golden Hour. You're absolutely right. Yeah, it's it's phenomenal. Like, I didn't know Casey Musgraves until Corinne texted me this morning and was like, Welp, this is what I'm listening to while packing. And I was like, oh, I'll give it a listen. I haven't she's country, right? You'd consider her country? Uh, she's pop country. Pop country? I'm not I'm not country a country pop. listener, but one of the challenges that Casey Musgraves has kind of faced is that she's pretty liberal and pretty affirming about a lot of things, but that means that she doesn't necessarily get a lot of play on country radio stations. Oh, interesting. So I find her very interesting just as like a figure within the country music scene, uh, in addition to really, really enjoying her music. I did not know that. You've taught me something new. So yeah. country pop. I guess pop country having some problems in the country scene, but I don't know when, when Corinne was like, yeah, this album is a banger. I was like, all right, I'll give it a listen. I'll see how I feel about it. And she was not wrong. I've listened to it. I think maybe two times now through mm-hmm. all the way. What What's your, what's your top track from it? Ah, uh, so I like, I, I'm pretty sure my top track will change over time, but like my standout track on my first couple listens through is breadwinner. Mm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. <laughs> the tea in that song is hot, so I'm going to <laughs> I'm 
I'm going to read the lyrics to the chorus just to give you an idea of what it's about and also maybe to give you an idea of what her divorce was about. Uh, But the chorus is like, he wants a breadwinner. He wants your dinner until he ain't hungry anymore. He wants your shimmer to make him feel bigger until he starts feeling insecure. I wish somebody would have told me the truth. See, he's never going to know what to do with a woman like you. Ooh, girl. I'm, like, literally drinking tea right now, and it feels very, like, it fits the mood. It's like, ooh, mm, my goodness. So, yeah, she just put it out there, and I'm here for it. I I hope this doesn't sound petty, but, like, I really appreciate a good breakup album when people kind of channel that anger and that upsetness into their music. It's good shit. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's good. It's good. I, I wish her all the happiness in the world. I hope that she finds joy, you know, but I think, I think there is something really interesting and moving about people working through these difficult parts of their life through their music, especially Mm -hmm. then when they somehow make it hella catchy. Like, so my, the one that's been really jumping out to me that I kind of just kept hitting rewind on was if this was a movie Mm -hmm. and I don't know. It's got this kind of forlornness to mm-hmm. it that really resonated with me. And I just think it's a beautiful song and nice to listen to. I think it's like a really nuanced album as she's working yeah. through these like breakup emotions. Because mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. there are some that are just like angry, but there are yep. some that are like very sad, some that are nostalgic, some yep. that are mm-hmm, – mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. Are there there are maybe some that are even hopeful, but yeah. I think that's a little bit less. But like I, I will say I think too that there are some that are more reflexive on her in the relationship mm-hmm. and some that are more thinking about her ex in the relationship. Like some that she's mm-hmm. talking more directly to him and some that feel like they're more introspective in thinking about who she was or wasn't over the course of their marriage. Like, I think one mm-hmm. that I'm going to listen to more closely is Good Wife also. Mm, that one is very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, spicy album. I like it. So, what is something that has been sparking joy for you, Ayani? <laughs> and Corinne's going to roll her eyes about this. <laughs> but, so, this season of Destiny 2 has oh been God. really spicy. <laughs> so, I'm not going to dwell on this for too long. <laughs> What is Destiny 2, Aeon? Oh, oh, for context, for context. Destiny 2 is a, I guess it's a MMO, a massive multiplayer online game that takes place in, I guess it's kind of a space opera, spacefaring game. Your hub is on Earth, but like you go to different planets in the solar system and you are a character called a guardian. You have powers. You're either like a space knight, a space wizard, or a space like thief kind of character if we go with the fantasy tropes Mm -hmm. uh and things happen there's a whole world there's ecosystems there's your allies they're your people that you're fighting against but one of the things they've been building to recently is playing with your expectations of who's your friend and who's your foe so -hmm. the way that it works is that there are there started off as four but i think there's like six now different species of enemy that you fight and now we have allies from I want to say three, maybe two of those different species. My favorite mm-hmm. of which is the Elixni. I just bought a stuffed version of their offspring and I'm very excited about it. 
it's a baby. I bought an Elixir baby, which sounds really bad because I said I bought a baby. But like, yeah, I'm the way that she announced it. this to me was with no context. It said <laughs> I bought a baby. <laughs> it's like, oh, you did? Okay. I'm very excited about my pending adoption of my Elixir <laughs> child, who I'll have to give a nice, good Elixir name so it knows its heritage. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> But anyhow, this season has been particularly spicy because somebody somebody who was dead has now come back to life. It's part of the Guardian thing. And he's getting into shit with the people who used to know him in the past who haven't had a chance to kind of reconcile who he is now with who he was before he died. Mm-hmm. And his sister is really sad about it. And But there's there's all this kind of spicy stuff that's happening with that. But then also the villain this season is this like – witch queen named Savathun and she has one of our characters trapped in the sunken place people think he's dead he might be dead but I'm hoping because he's like to kind of pull this together he's one part of a gay couple in the story and Mm -hmm. I really hope this isn't a bury your gaze moment in which they kill him because it's only been recent that Bungie, the makers of Destiny, confirmed that he and this other character were like gay grandpas together. Mm-hmm. So I really hope he's not dead and is just in the sunken place. <laughs> I don't but know. Oh, even, I really if, even if he's dead, like this game is largely about shooting things. So a lot of people die, it seems to me. I know nothing. You know, to be clear, <laughs> it's actually surprising. They haven't killed a lot of like the main characters that you keep mm. interacting with. A lot of them are very much alive. Um, the when they killed somebody, it was really, it was a really fucking big deal. <laughs> so, so I don't know. I really hope they didn't kill him. I hope he's alive. I hope they can continue being gay bird grandpas together. <laughs> um, but part of the reason that I love this game is that it's something that Andrew and I kind of share together. So even when I'm not playing all the time, because I am a sad, stressed graduate student, I still enjoy the story and watching over his shoulder. However, something that Kern and I have been enjoying <laughs> is <laughs> teasing Andrew while he plays the game. <laughs> so for context, he plays this game constantly, all the time. Constantly. Like, literally every day because he has, like, shit he has to do. I don't understand. I don't understand video games. That is not my bag. (laughs) But he was playing earlier in the summer a game called Mass Effect. Yes. Which I also. Look at you remembering. (laughs) Which I also know very little about. But there is a a planet that he was on in Mass Effect that is completely inconsequential (laughs) called Antibar. (laughs) And I fixated on Antibar. And it started out that every time he was playing Mass Effect, I asked him why he was still on Antibar. (laughs) And then, to be a pain in the ass, because even though I know nothing about video games, I can tell the difference between Mass Effect and Destiny. I always ask him why he's still on Antibar. (laughs) And it bothers him so much that I know this one detail about this game that isn't even the one he plays all the time. And I'm just like, Antibar? I also spell it wrong. <laughs> anyway, this makes Ayani lose her shit. So now I'm in on it, and I'll just say, 
I'll just bring it up at random times. And he gets so frustrated. It's so funny. He got mad at me the other night because I was like, oh, Andrew, where's my charger? He was like, where's your charger? Hmm, I know where it is. It's on fucking Antibar. <laughs> I didn't know about that. That's funny. <laughs> So, so <laughs> this is not a joke that's ever going to go away, but oh my God, it is sparking so much joy for me. <laughs> and because it's video game related, I think that counts as media related. So. Okay, well, while Ayani pulls herself together. <laughs> I need a moment. <laughs> I will talk about the next thing that's sparking joy for me. <laughs> I think she's about to start weeping. No, no, I'm okay. I'm all right. Okay. I'm going to okay. drink some water. <laughs> so, obviously, I watch a lot of K-dramas. If you are new to the podcast, I watch a lot of Korean dramas. This is my thing. I am very sorry. I always talk about it. Constantly. Uh, <laughs> but one of them that I recently started watching is called Monthly Magazine Home. Monthly Magazine Home is not actually what is sparking joy, but it does star a lead actress named Jung So Min, who is in another drama <laughs> that I watched mm -hmm. called Because This Is My First Life. And Monthly Magazine Home, I think, is a little bit of a knockoff of Because This Is My First Life. Uh, so that that's my spicy hot take. What is sparking joy is that I'm remembering how much I like that show and particularly but I mean, both of them are dealing with ideas of what makes something a house versus a home. Mm, and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Monthly Magazine Home is largely doing that through questions of real estate. And it is very interesting to see, like, different depictions of real estate in Korea. Oh, interesting. that's not something I have a lot of familiar with, familiarity with. Mm -hmm. But I think because this is my first life does a better job of asking questions about I don't know, like, how do you get a home? What what do you do when you can't really even afford to rent somewhere? Mm, like, what mm -hmm, does it mean to mm -hmm. buy a home and then, like, be house poor because you can't afford anything except your mortgage? And I'm just – because this is my first life is, I think, in the first ten dramas that I watched. Mm, okay. So it was very, very early in my uh, K-drama journey. <laughs> um but that, that drama also does a very good job as well of thinking about, like, what it means to, like, turn 30 and, like, be at this mm, point in your mm -hmm, life where you mm -hmm. feel like you should be an adult and, like, yeah. be established and, like, maybe be married, maybe be having children, certainly mm -hmm, have a job, mm -hmm. certainly have a place to live and what it means when you don't – or what it feels like when you don't really have those things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, one of the things I also thought was interesting with Because This Is My First Life is then – Asking the question of, well, when you have that thing, is that really what makes you an adult? Because mm -hmm. one of the characters had a really good high profile job, but was being sexually harassed kind of constantly. Yeah. And part of the reason she was staying at this job, she told herself, was to take care of her mother. You know, so there, there come all mm -hmm. these questions of like, we set these rules and these parameters around what it means to be successful, what it means to be an adult, what it means to be grown or whatever. Mm -hmm. So then asking, okay, when you obtain this thing, is, th is that really what matters in this circumstance? So yeah, mm -hmm. I, I think it was a really, I agree that it's a really smart drama and I'm sorry that Monthly Magazine Home isn't doing that. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's a little bit lighter, and I am enjoying it largely because of the lead actress and also because of the second male lead, uh, <laughs> who is played by Gong Gong-ju, and he was the one of the second male leads in Extraordinary You, which is one mm-hmm, of my all-time mm-hmm. favorite dramas, and he is just an adorable little puppy dog snowflake child cupcake who needs to be protected, and we also I love him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We adore him. We adore him. But, like, not recommending Monthly Magazine Home unless you are deep in the K-drama rabbit hole like me. Am recommending because this is my first life. Yeah. I mean, I was secretly hoping that it was going to give you romance as a bonus book vibes because it takes place at a um, – it's about publishing in a sense, yeah, right? Yeah, it, it does – it takes place at a magazine publishing house or specifically, like, the publishing house for Monthly Magazine Home. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it is trying to do this thing where, like, the CEO is a real estate mogul who, like, looks at homes as places to invest in, and the female lead looks at homes as places to live, and they're supposed to, like, meet in the middle, but he's just such a dick. <clears throat> yeah, ain't about it. Ain't about it. So, anyway, I'll probably finish it, but, there and there are reasons to watch it, and if you really liked it, I am very sorry, but... <laughs> You're allowed to have your opinion. It doesn't have to match everybody else's. Yeah, so what else is sparking joy for you, Ayani? All right, I'll take the ball back. Mm, something that is sparking joy for me. Let's see. So I started reading The City We Became again by N.K. Jemison. I had started it a while ago because I was like, reading, that's something I should do. But then I stopped because I decided that reading was not something that I should do. <laughs> <laughs> but I've I've really gotten back into it. I think in part because I have moved and I'm feeling a little quote unquote homesick for mm-hmm. the homes that I have built over the course of my life. So I'm sure we have talked about this on the pod. But again, if this is your first time listening, I'm originally from New Jersey. I grew up, I want to say like 15 minutes outside of Manhattan. Mm-hmm. I live closer to Manhattan than some people that actually live in New York City. And From there, I lived there in the tri-state area my whole life until moving down to Gainesville. And one of the things that Andrew and I have been talking about a lot recently, especially since coming to Texas, is that Gainesville became the home that we built in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. uh, because these are not friends that we had before moving down there. These aren't friends that we had even before we were married, you know. So Gainesville was a place that truly became hours in a lot of ways and obviously we don't like oh Gainesville like I, I <laughs> hope that's you know that's it's coming across more like you know we we made friends that we hope are going to be our friends forever we had restaurants that no one else in our family knows about because there are restaurants you know what I mean I bought shirts mm-hmm. from those restaurants because I was like I love you and then people kept asking me if I work for Tea Story it's like no I just <laughs> love Tea Story I just love it okay Everyone, if you're in Gainesville, you should go to Tea Story. It's wonderful. But the city we became focuses – and it's hard to talk about because it's one of those stories, I think, that if I talk too much about the plot, it will cause spoilers. Mm. But pretty much what the premise is is that cities, when they reach a certain level of maturity, let's say, they – select an avatar for the city and they kind of come alive and New York is going through its birthing process but then something happens Mm -hmm. and things go awry and it's exciting I'm enjoying it I don't know if I like it more than the Broken Earth trilogy but this book 
is also supposed to be the first in a trilogy. Mm -hmm. So I think it'll be more fair to see how I feel at the end of it. But when I started reading the book, the character was coming into Penn Station, which was one of the ways that I used to get into the city all the time. And reading about Penn Station and then Jemison references, I think some NJ Transit trains, it just kind of like overwhelmed me with this sense of home and I started crying about trains and Penn Station. So it's just really interesting how I think literature can capture a sense of home. And I'd be curious mm -hmm. to talk to like New Yorker New Yorkers about how they feel about it because mm -hmm. each of the boroughs is kind of represented in different ways. So like, for example, I'm not from the Bronx. My mom was from the Bronx. My family has history in the Bronx. My cousin lives in the Bronx now. But I'd be really curious how like people react to the depiction of the Bronx and the characters that represent the Bronx and things like that. So yeah, that's something that's sparking joy for me because I haven't like read a book in a long time. Mm -hmm. And like, I've been reading it at night before bed, which is something I have not done in such a long time. It it's amazing when you study literature, how frequently you don't read for pleasure anymore. Yeah, that is, I don't know if we've talked about this on the podcast. We may for our Why Literature episode, mm -hmm, but like, mm -hmm. so if, like for me studying children's literature, it's so often what what I read for fun can very easily find its way into my work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is like one reason that I like it and like doing this because I am reading books that I like largely, but also mm. means that like it is hard to draw the line between like work and play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's, and this might just be for me, I think it's a little easier with comics because sometimes comics are easier to take a first read of. Like, obviously, if you're writing about comics, and one of the things that's great about comics is that you can sit with them and think about them and think about the images and all that kind of stuff. But I have on my What's Breaking Joy list some comics that I read comics in the morning before, like, I get dressed. So, like, I do have them as part of my rotation, but it's I don't know. It's different. It asks different things of you, I think. So what, what are those novels. comics that are oh. sparking joy? Oh, we're going to go back to me again. All right. Yeah, we're going to so, dive right in. <laughs> all right. So two that I picked because there's a couple that I like are my weekly reads, so to speak. But two that I've been really enjoying recently are Claw Shot uh, by Amy Sotoyo. I hope I'm saying her name right. Might be Aimi. Aimi. Uh, which I'm really enjoying partially because it's a little bit research related. I'm actually mm -hmm. writing about one of her works in my dissertation. Is it on Webtoon or where are you reading it? It is on Webtoon. Both of these are on Webtoon. And this one is really interesting because her work, she she does phenomenal work, but it takes her a very long time to like get the full colored chapters together. So what she does is she runs gag strips in the middle of kind of the fuller episodes mm -hmm. and the gag strips are just so ridiculous because the two characters are so horny for each other <laughs> so they're just like the joke will be like um the so i think his name is Ernest. i forget her name but the main female lead will just be like you should do something cute and he's like what i don't i don't do cute things that's not what i do and she's like yes you do cute things all the time you do me and it's just like <laughs> oh, okay <laughs> Oh my god. Okay. So there's just like these really horny jokes all the time. So sometimes I'll just be like, ha 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 ha, and then I'll send it to Andrew. And I'll be like, ha ha, this is funny. Look at them being horny for each other. But also the main male lead turns into like a cow werewolf 
monster thing. So it's like, sure, <laughs> research. Also, I don't know, but it's been sparking a lot of joy for me because I'm just like, sometimes the puns are very punny, but sometimes you need just a very punny pun to like make you laugh. And the mm. other one that I've really been enjoying is My Giant Nerd Boyfriend by Fishball, mm. which is one of the super popular ones on the Webtoon platform. And what I really like about it is the way that Fishball kind of weaves together narratives about her life, but also then sometimes it's like she's talking directly to the audience, but sometimes it's just things that they're imagining and talking about. Like the one I think I read this morning was actually what are your favorite romance tropes? So yeah, so it was a lot of fun, but it's funny. I think I I've been reading my nerd boy, my giant nerd boyfriend for a long time. And it's another one I send to Andrew because, you know, we are size difference in real life. And I'm like, ha ha, look, another giant man that loves a tiny lady. <laughs> Here you go. But uh, Fishball's father passed away um, during everything that's been happening with COVID. And she had some really tender strips about her father's death. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, that just kind of made me really attached to the comic not in a way that I hadn't before but it was almost like I don't know it it turned a page for me in a way mm-hmm. and and you know, like done- it added it added emotional depth that you weren't necessarily looking for in the same way yeah maybe yeah because she's done some strips like that with the boyfriend character right with him dealing with different kinds of things in his past she's done some conversations about mental health being like a centipede that just wraps itself around you which is great because centipedes are terrifying (laughs) millipedes are cute with their little their many little legs but centipedes look like no it's different centipedes look like it'll bite you a millipede's not gonna bite you no you're i'm sorry you're wrong all right all right that's fine i i don't have some bugs bother me but other bugs don't and then people are like why do you like cicadas i'm like they're cute with their big Silly eyes. See, they're not looking cute at when they fly at your head. Yeah, okay. There's been a lot of cicadas this season. I was fine at the beginning and now I'm not. Yeah, they're just, you know, big head, no thoughts, just buzzing. Like, <laughs> but anyhow, so I don't know. I, I really liked the way that she was kind of talking about that, talking about parental loss. And as somebody who kind of has lost a parent, I guess I kind of related to it in a mm-hmm. very particular kind of way. So I don't know. I've just been really enjoying my giant nerd boyfriend during, I mean, in general, but also kind of during the pandemic as another way to, I don't know, feel connected to the larger sense of the world beyond me, myself in front of the computer. So, yeah. That makes sense. I'm glad that you are enjoying your webtoons. Me too. You should read more webtoons. Yeah, we'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I guess speaking of reading, I do in fact also read sometimes. Uh, (laughs) I'm not going to talk about this too much at length, but uh, a book that I just taught in my Sex and Children's and Young Adult Literature class is Weetsy Bat by Francesca (laughs) Leah Block. Which this is, book is wild. It is a wild book. It's not very long. It's it has this magical realism fairy fairy tale kind of vibe, but like the main character whose name is Weetsy Bat, like that's her name. Ayani had much trouble with this when I was explaining it Jake, last cause, night. Cause, well, because here's the thing: she was like, "We're reading Weetsy Bat," so in my head, the character is a bat, and it is a children's book about the bat named Weetsy, like Weetsy the bat. And she was like, "No, she's a person." I was like, "Okay." But so reading Weetsy Bat <laughs> sparked a lot of joy and also our class discussions about it 
sparked a lot of joy. Oh, how did that go today? <laughs> it went really well, but also it's really funny because like so like again the first book we read was Forever by Judy Bloom, which is very like by the book. This is how sex works. This is how you go to Planned Parenthood. And Weetsy Bat, the the middle chapter that we started with today is called Weetsy Wants a Baby. But oh boy. <laughs> Weetsy's partner who is named I kid you not, my secret agent lover man. <laughs> does not want a baby actually this really kind of resonated for me reading it because he doesn't want a baby because of like all the bad things happening in the world and things that like it's not a world to bring a baby into but like this book was published in 1989 so like that still resonates i think with me but then so weetzy whose gay best friend named dirk is partners with a man named duck dirk and duck are like we'll give you a baby (laughs) weetzy and then they have a threesome and have a baby. Oh, had a threesome? Oh, I didn't realize they had a threesome and one of them got her pregnant. Wow. Wow. That so. is not how you explained it to me yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, it's a little bit, like, left in the spaces in between the words. Because, like, forever, again, is, like, very explicit. Like, this is what went where when. And mm. we'd see bad as, like, they sat in bed and listened to I Want to Hold Your Hand by the Beatles and were like, this is weird. But we're friends and we love each other and we want to have a baby. And then that was the night that they made a baby. Maybe or maybe not, as we'll find out later. And then like at the end of the chapter, they're like, oh, well, the baby looks like Duck and Dirk and my secret agent lover man. So there is some question as to who the father is, but also it's magical realism. So it's also all of them. Yeah, I was going to say, that's all their baby. That baby has four parents. Mm-hmm. I wish so. my face could make noise because I was making an expression <laughs> while you were talking. But but I really like Weetsy Bat. Highly recommend. It's the beginning of a series and I haven't read the series. But if you're in for an acid trip young adult novel, Weetsy Bat is where to go. Uh, Weetsy Bat. <laughs> Not about a bat. <laughs> And I guess to round out this kind of conversation about the joy that has been sparked for us, let's talk about Love Struck in the City. Ah. <laughs> so it's another K-drama. Uh, Corinne has got Andrew and I watching K-dramas. We don't want – Andrew and I, I don't know. We have different tastes, so we kind of watch different things I make at no different apologies. Times. I've only improved their lives through this. <laughs> so Corinne and Andrew are watching Hospital Playlist. That's kind of their thing. And then I'm watching Love Struck in the City, which Corinne wanted me to watch for a variety of reasons. And this show is a trip, man. It's a mess. I am not 300% sure <laughs> how I feel about it. Well, but I- I've been texting Corinne every day <laughs> while I watch it. So, like, the thing about Love Struck in the City, so it's available on Netflix. It's a Netflix-produced drama. So if you have Netflix, you can watch it, and you should, Mm. is I'm not actually 100% sure if it is, like, an objectively, like, very good drama. And yet, I deeply, deeply loved it, so much so that I watched it twice within, like, the space of a month. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you are, that's right, you are in your second watch of it. Yeah, you know, I'm not 100% sure it's very good either, but there are things about it that I deeply enjoy. So Mm -hmm. what the premise is, is that the, it's a mockumentary kind Mm -hmm. of show, in that there are, what, five characters? Six. Two, three, six. Six characters that are being interviewed for a 
documentary about love in the city mm-hmm. in Seoul, right? And each of the characters, of course, have their own plot lines and storylines. Two of them are dating. Two of them used to date. And the other two had a wild, hot summer fling. And then one of them just the, – the I guess she is the female lead of the show – disappeared on mm. on homie, on the male lead. And so they're all kind of intertwined in all of these different kinds of ways. But the thing that I deeply love about it is that they all kind of comment on each other's stories Mm -hmm. as if they were watching it along with you and then had like shit to say. So there's a lot of shit talking. And I like part of the setup that I deeply love is that like they can show each other like the interviews. So like when male lead homie is like talking about this woman who he like had this passionate summer fling with so much so that they got married but just for pretend but also for real yeah it's very interesting but then he finds out she's also doing the interviews and then starts (laughs) like sending her these video letters through the interviews (laughs) and she's just like move on dude yeah yeah it's 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 very interesting i think in some of the ways it's asking questions about love and romance and playing with those things. Like one of the things that I'm in the middle of the series, I'm on episode 10 and I believe there are 17. But one of the things that Kern says that it makes some commentary on is the manic pixie dream girl trope mm-hmm. because the female lead when she's on this beach trip, this two month whirlwind is really leaning into kind of like the magic pixie dream girl kind of trope. Mm-hmm. In this kind of persona that she's cultivating for herself. But when she leaves the beach, that's not who she is anymore. Mm-hmm. And I know for me, I sometimes get a little annoyed by that trope because of how very unrealistic they can be. And it's like, oh, this is the perfect woman. It's like, yeah, but that kind of woman doesn't actually exist. But then also, this is a fantasy. So, like, mm. but uh, I think based on what you said, they're going to play with that some and it's going to, there are going to be some interesting twists and turns that happen. But I think what I really enjoy more than that storyline, though it was really like spicy, this episode I just watched because he like found her after a really long time and I was like, oh, it's all coming to a head. Yeah, it's, It's been a year since she ghosted him basically. Yeah. But I'm really enjoying how all of the other characters are both interacting with the main kind of story through line but also all of their little stories as well I'm kind of more mm-hmm. entertained by, if that makes sense. There's a lot of flashback in the beginning in which the beach romance unfolds. And I think I was less interested in that than all of the other stuff that was happening. But you said that you felt differently on your second watch. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that it's doing, and if you watch Love Strike in the City, this is maybe a tiny bit of a spoiler, but not Really, but like when they're telling you like this origin story of Park Jae-won and Yoon Sona's romance, you are getting it from Park Jae-won, the man's mm, perspective mm-hmm, from his of perspective, like yeah. how he saw her, how she thought she was so magical, how he fell immediately in love with her, how he wanted to like marry her, how he misses her so much, how he's been going nuts since she like went away, but she plays it much closer to the vest mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. is very much like well, like you saw, like, that's not my name. That's not me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but that's all mm-hmm. she says. But then, like, you learn more about her as the drama goes on and, like, why she did this. Yeah, and, I don't know that yet. Yeah, so I'm not going to tell you why. But watching it again, 
knowing her perspective and seeing the spaces where like she's she's playing it the actress is playing those pieces you just don't know them yet and we're just so like trained i think as viewers and as people who live in a patriarchy to like look at things from the man's perspective a lot of times and be like oh like that woman must just be crazy and like that's just like very easy to fall Mm. into because a lot of the time that is how women are written Mm. Mm. but like to see it knowing more about what was going on in her head at the time was like Mm. ah i get it also like I'm a little bit telling on myself here, but mm. part of the reason that I love Love Struck in this city is that I love me a female character who is a flight risk. <laughs> <laughs> who like at some point is just going to be like, I got, I got to go. I got to run. And for me, it's like, if you got to go, girl, you got to go. And like, <laughs> <laughs> and in this drama, that is exactly what she did. She like decided she had to leave and I don't care whether like you think her reasons are fair or logical. If she, <laughs> if she thought she had to go, she had to go. And I support her in that. There are so many sequences of her like running away from someone. I'm like, this is why Corinne loves this woman is because she's a fight <laughs> risk because she's like, ah, gotta go. I gotta run right now. Well, like there's so. this particular scene where I was like, I don't think anyone else would react this way to this scene except maybe me where it's like in the present where Park Jaewon has lost his damn mind because he can't find you. Sona, and mm-hmm. then he he like sees her in front of his car and he like looks at her and is like oh my god that's Yun Sona I have to like I have to catch her and she like freezes and looks at him and is like oh, like a deer Jesus fuck and then she like she doesn't say that they don't really cuss in this they do cuss in this drama actually they don't do that a whole lot but um and then she like runs away she and my looks it and my reaction to that scene was like you get the fuck out of there girl like you <laughs> run <laughs> Crane, you are something else, man. <laughs> <laughs> and like at this point, the first time I saw this, I had no reason to support her in her flight. You did not. <laughs> no. <laughs> but I fully do nonetheless. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. So yeah. Yun uh, so not running. That is what's sparking joy for Corinne. <laughs> I mean, technically, Lord, she's, she's Lee Uno at that point. But. Oh, okay. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> that's why she had to run. That's that's why she had to go. She had to go. But that was a lot of joy that we had sparked. <laughs> from, from cackling about Antibar to female leads who need to run at top speed. Yeah. In- Track shoes. She also always seems to be wearing track shoes, but that's neither here nor there. She's got to be ready to run. She's got to be ready. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> God, we figured it might be nice to give you guys a little bit of a preview of our episodes that we have forthcoming because the world is our oyster. We have some things recorded that just need to be edited, but you know, when you move, you also pack up your computers and some things that we've got on the docket to record. There's a lot of fun, exciting things happening with SLL. So we thought we'd give you guys a little bit of a preview to whet your appetites about the kind of discussions we have coming up. So first and foremost, we have done an interview with cartoonist and scholar Coyote Shook, who is a dear friend of Corinne's. Mm-hmm. That just needs to go through, I guess, post-production. But it was a fascinating conversation, and I'm really excited for y'all to hear about Coyote's work and the kinds of things that they're doing. So be on the lookout for that. 
Uh, the next thing that we have on the docket is the sort of conclusion of our La Petite mini-series, Why Sex, Why Love, and Why Literature, which is the mm-hmm. one that will be forthcoming. Yeah, we've got a lot of literature feelings, obviously. After that, we need to record an episode on your name, which I know we've promised to quite a few people. <laughs> but yeah. Andrew has also been very much like he another thing he texted me before us recording this was, I want my your name episode. So we will be recording that soon and hopefully getting that out to y'all as soon as possible. I think that's our next deep dive after mm-hmm. the coyote interview, right? Yeah. And then after that, the world's kind of our oyster. We've been thinking about doing an episode on forever since that is such a staple kind of, mm-hmm. what, sex education text? Would that be fair to say? Yeah, sex education, young adult problem novel kind of text. Um, yeah, that kind of thing. Okay. And then Corinne has been so in love with this bizarre Wheatsy bat that part of me is like, oh, maybe I need <laughs> to read that. I don't know. I don't know. And, I mean, we both like Love Struck in the City, so that might become a La Petite or something else down the line. Honestly, the world is our oyster. I'm still trying to get Corinne to watch, like, a classic black rom-com, so maybe that'll come up sometime soon. I'll do it. I mean, I did watch your name. I did that. That happened. So, like... But that's that's not black people. That's Japanese. No, I was saying I like watch stuff that you tell me to. I don't oh, yes, just make yes. you watch things. No, no, no. That's very fair. That is very fair. It is a give and take. It is a give and take. But yeah, we have a lot of things on the docket for SLL. We have not forgotten about you. Life is just a lot. So if there's anything that you would like to recommend we do an episode on, please find us at Sex Love Lit on Facegram. Facegram. <laughs> On Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You almost did it again. I did, but I didn't. But yes, please find us at Sex Love Lit on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Uh, all in word. Uh, if you would like a sticker, let oh, us know. <laughs> we got stickers, y'all. We really did it. <laughs> and please remember to uh, subscribe to wherever you listen and maybe even leave us a review because that is very helpful for new listeners to find us. Yeah, and we would like some of those. Not that we don't love our old listeners as well. (laughs) (laughs) But this has been a rather bizarre (laughs) La Petite SLL. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see y'all again soon. Bye. Bye.